One of the great delusions in the climate change debate, probably the most serious, is the idea that when we get to net zero in a country like the UK, we will no longer be causing climate change. It'd be wonderful if it was true. But what's really going on here is that this is net zero on a unilateral basis on territorial carbon production. Most of the public think that that does the job, that it really does lead to us no longer causing climate change. It's just wrong. Because if you just reflect for a moment, what's the best way of really quickly reducing uh, the UK's emissions more? Well, I'll tell you, close the rest of the steel industry, close the six or so refineries left, uh, make sure that Brexit really does finish off the car industry and get rid of any and all other energy intensive industries in the UK and uh, close them down and just import the stuff instead because those imported emissions won't count. Whereas the reduced emissions by closing all these uh, factories and plants down will. And you can see this is nonsense. This is exactly what's been going on for the last 30 years. It's why the UK and the Prime Minister trumpet our great climate achievements. We're 80% services. All the really big uh, carbon intensive polluting industries, you know, things like aluminium, fertilizers, yes, steel and petrochemicals, all of these things we predominantly now import as opposed to produce. And so if we want to be honest, and if the Prime Minister wants to be honest, then we should put it straightforwardly. You know, we have to reduce our carbon consumption, regardless of where the goods are produced, in order to get to a net zero position in a genuine sense, net zero carbon consumption, make our carbon footprint net zero, and actually then finally stop causing climate change, which I'm sure is what a large swathe of the British population believe that they're engaged in at the moment. So if we go for net zero carbon consumption, then we have to treat imports on the same basis as domestic production. It's as simple as that. And uh, we have to look where those imports are coming from. And we have to look through the lens of what's really causing the increase in carbon concentration in the atmosphere now. It's called China, and it's going to be called India, and it's going to be called Africa, and Brazil, Indonesia, the Philippines, and the Far East. And these are the countries where emissions are growing fastest. And China is already nearly 30% of global emissions. That's more emissions than all the developed world put together. So if China exports stuff to Europe and the US, and it doesn't have the same kind of carbon price as we have domestically and the EU has, then it's effectively an export subsidy to the Chinese. And the important point here is an ethical one too. We can blame the Chinese, but we have to remember that to the extent that Chinese exports energy-intensive, carbon-intensive goods based upon a very serious predominance of coal, that in that context, it's us that these emissions are being done for. They're our responsibility, and we should pay as the polluters the cost of doing so. So 
a carbon border adjustment of the sort that the EU is toying with at a pretty low level is the beginnings of equalising out uh, the price of carbon between domestic production and stuff overseas and stopping causing climate change. Now, there are a lot of people who say, yeah, OK, we sort of get that. We don't really want to tell the public that, for example, the UK's carbon consumption is way above its carbon production. and This would be a much bigger mountain to climb. We just don't want to tell them that. That doesn't ring well with cakeism and all the rest of it and the idea it's not going to cost very much. But they also say, well, you know, it's also impractical. It's a nice idea, perhaps, in theory, nice thing for academics to work on. But you know what? It's not going to work in practice because how would you do it? Well, the answer here is that we shouldn't respond to the interests of those who would oppose such border adjustments and the interests of the importers, let's be frank, by saying, well, we must give you a perfect answer. We want to be roughly right in a circumstance where we're precisely wrong at the moment. And that's where we get into the detail. So, first of all, why is it harder to measure the carbon in an imported tonne of steel compared with a tonne of steel produced here? Well, the answer is, might be more coal intensive in China than here. Well, we can just use the ratios of coal in the economy relative to the products produced. And we start with a very simple set of categories which define the border adjustment charge. So we can do that. And let's be honest, we don't need to do immediately on day one the import carbon border adjustment price for every goods and service that we ever buy. What we want to do is go for the big prizes first. And there's basically five major traded carbon intensive goods. Steel, aluminium, fertilizer, cement and petrochemicals. Get those right and we've made a big step forward to addressing our carbon footprints. And you know, if you can't measure the carbon in imports, why do you assume you can measure the carbon in domestic production? And we do. The Europeans have the European Emissions Trading Scheme. This requires measurement, and indeed measurement's critical to shine the torch on what's really going on in the climate change problems that we face. So we can do just as well on imports as domestically, or at least roughly as well. And remember that things like tariffs and so on are much more crude than what um, I'm discussing here. So start with the big ones, Use the same basis as domestically. And then we're starting to move towards our measuring our carbon consumption, paying for the pollution that our carbon footprint causes and therefore getting seriously on the road towards being no longer responsible for causing future climate change. Of course, it doesn't get us out of our responsibility for all that stuff that we put up in the atmosphere already, but at least we wouldn't then be making things worse. So we can do that. But here's the really exciting thing about a carbon border adjustment. Supposing you're a Chinese steel exporter and you send your boatload of steel to the docks in a UK port. And you arrive and the customs official, 
when they're not dealing with all the new Brexit paperwork and so on, comes up and says, right, you've got to pay your carbon due. And uh, the ship's captain says, yeah, okay, but is there any way I could get out of this? Is there any way I could avoid paying? And the customs official should say, yeah, you show me a, a certificate of exemption. And that certificate of exemption has to show that you have an equivalent carbon price domestically, in this case, in China for the Chinese steel industry. Then you can pay the money to the Chinese government rather than pay it to the UK government. And from a Chinese perspective, what's not to like about that? And here you see the beginnings of a bottom-up approach to addressing climate change. Countries would have an incentive to proliferate and increasingly join the coalition of the willing, unilateral carbon consumption targeted countries trying to achieve net zero carbon consumption. So it kind of works in a geopolitical sense as well as domestically. It's our best chance of getting a broader a carbon price. So if we think, is this a runner? Well, the good news is the EU has a clear proposal to do just about this. It's going to take time. It's not as good as it should be. There are all sorts of caveats and so on. But basically, the EU's on this path already. And because the UK is a third country to the EU post-Brexit, if the EU pursues this, unless our UK ETS produces a price similar to the EU ETS, we'll get charged it too. Big incentive to make sure that we don't backslide on our carbon price in respect to the EU, which is still, of course, our major trading market. So this is good news, and it would be an honesty to climate policy. And this is exactly the sort of thing all those people who hope to gather in Glasgow at the COP26 should be talking about. It's more practical, direct, and it's more impactful than all the chat about all the wishful targets that our great global leaders around the world wish to announce. And let's be honest, with China with 30% or nearly 30% of global emissions, building more coal power stations than Europe and the US are currently closing and growing at 5 to 6% per annum. And with India, once it gets past its terrible experience of the pandemic, growing at, say, 6%, and Africa growing at 6%, say, 2 these economies are all on a path to double in size by 2035. We need a better way forward. And at least we ought to be able to say, honestly, we are no longer ourselves causing any more climate change, even if that impact is somewhat small compared with what might happen elsewhere. But then on the other hand, politicians prefer cakeism to honesty about climate change. And the honest approach to climate change is net zero carbon consumption. And that means a carbon border tax. Thank you very much. <laughs>